0: Hey, I'm Brett Gornick. I'm Jason Lobig. Welcome to the Live Better Podcast.
1: Best day
0: ever. We are coaches, trainers, retreat leaders, and wellness advisors, but didn't start our careers doing this. Jason worked in public accounting and I worked in corporate retail until starting our dream business in which we help people from all different industries pursue their best day ever every single day.
1: The goal of this podcast is to interview both each other and other professionals making an impact on the world on how wellness is the fuel to
0: do whatever it is in life you want to do better. This podcast is about teaching people to actively pursue their purpose and how to use self-care to do it. We're here to show you how the best day ever mindset is available to anyone at any time, no matter your circumstance. It's your choice and we're here to encourage you. You can
1: find it anywhere you get your podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and even YouTube. You can also listen to our podcast on www.livebetterco.org. Have the best day
0: ever, Brett and Jason here. Live Better Podcast. We have a fellow trainer, performance coach, a purely athletic savage carmen on the podcast today uh carmen's checking in we are doing it virtually unfortunately even though we're from the same city due to the current circumstances but uh we've been friends with carmen and we actually met carmen through his girl uh ray who's been on the podcast who's uh one of a a dear friend of the live better fam so carmen how you doing today brother
2: i'm good man living one day at a
0: time (laughs) totally um that's that's about all we can be doing (laughs) right now and uh want to to dive in um, to your story. And I think that um, you currently are doing a lot of really cool stuff from the training realm, performance training, team training, uh, training a bunch of athletes, uh, a lot of cool online programming as well as just inspiring all of us through your awesome Instagram and uh, the, the content that you're putting out. So let's kind of go back. Let's go back to where you started um, as an athlete and just talk through the journey to where you've gotten to today. So where does it like when you think of yourself as a trainer today, kind of like where did that all start from from some of your athletic days? And then we'll get more into it.
2: Um, wow, well, let's go back. Um, so growing up, I, my father was a fighter in Philadelphia. So I'm originally from Philadelphia. Um, and basically, we had our basement gym set up. In Philly, and he would let me go down there with him, and basically hit the bags and use smaller weights when I was growing up. And then I literally played every sport possible—you know, soccer, basketball, football, baseball—and I had to pick one of those eventually. So essentially, baseball was the one I went with for the most part, which I always say it was probably my third best sport. <laughs> and I, uh, I played at Roman Catholic High School in Philly, and then I ended up going to Temple University, which was like maybe five, six blocks down the road. So I just kept going right down the street in Philly. So Philly born, Philly bred over here. Um <laughs> didn't leave home too much except for, you know, times when I was playing a little bit of pro ball. But when I was at Temple, I never really remember a time when I was actually healthy. And it started to like dawn on me where I was like, man, something's not right, whether it's my training program, you know, athletically, it was all there, but it was just never really clicking. I can maybe remember three or so weeks in a season in my senior year when I felt healthy, didn't have an injury. It was always like some nagging, you know, some nagging injury, something that would like spur up out of nowhere. And it basically led me into this career. I was like, man, If I knew what I knew now, you know, things would probably be a little bit different for me. And even when I tried to trying to go into playing pro ball, it was, you know, something would just flare up and it would be an ankle or a shoulder, this, that and the other thing. So it was like kind of, you know, you have to take time off and heal. And then baseball is a sport where you can't just take off and expect to pick right back up and go in the pro ball because, you know, Joe around the corner can't throw 90 miles an hour. So you can see. A fastball down the middle—you can't just pick it up. You lose your eyesight, so it's hard to just regain where you um, you left off. And so I was like, "Let me try to educate as many athletes, as many uh, gen pop people, as possible into not making the same mistakes I made as a trainer or as a uh, athlete." And you know, hopefully, I'm doing right right now. <laughs> that's a long story, but that's that's what's got me here
0: so no, far. That's good when you. <laughs> When you think about, um, and I think this is an interesting place to begin because I think a lot of people have episodes in which they were injured or hurt or restrained for whatever reason. It could have been mindset. It could have been a a catastrophic injury or something nagging. Um, when you instill in somebody now the confidence to go out and move, um, what are some of the mental sides of overcoming because, You know, you had injury and you still were able to move forward through a lot of different things. And like you just mentioned, like if you knew what you knew now, maybe you would have done something different or changed your training or changed your approach. What are some of the things that you're teaching now to maybe some of the younger generations of people you're training so that they get it both from a mental side and and a lot of training. I think, you know, a lot of injuries occur from overtraining or training the wrong things. So, what are you teaching them on the mental side of things, so that they understand the 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 components of the training itself, but also to overcome obstacles, whether that's injury or roadblocks or other things that come up within a season or in a career? Um, that's a great question.
2: Um, I, I you know going back to high school, you know, I personally, so I had to fight my way onto. Uh, playing time at high school. So I didn't get a chance to play until my senior year. And then kind of the same thing in the college. I walked on at Temple, and then I was a captain by my senior year. So, you you know, you build into this. So that experience myself, I kind of instill that in them. You know, you fight with – you feel like, you know, there's always some type of politics. You don't want to use that word. I feel like it's overblown that, you know, there's politics in high school. There's politics in some colleges. But, you know, it's a real thing in some cases. You know, you never know who – knows this coach knows that coach so i get it a lot because i do have some high school guys that are dealing with it and you know you just kind of have to tell them just keep a level head work hard i mean it sounds pretty basic and pretty corny things that you would constantly hear coaches and good trainers tell their athletes but it's still you know it's the truth you have to just keep pushing forward put all the other bullshit to the side and just you know get after it each and every day um when I get new athletes or athletes in the gym, I always tell them to kind of just like, you know, save your bullets for the actual game. The gym's the harder part. You know, we, we're going through new movements. I try to keep it as simple as possible. But, you know, when we start to pick up newer movements, when I start to, you know, that smaller sports specific aspect, maybe like, like 10% to the actual gear towards the actual athlete in their sport, um, you know, trying to go slower through the movements because depending on the at level of the athlete, they want to go 110 miles an hour right off the rip. So getting them to just dial it back a little bit, pick up the movement. And then when we start adding in some cognitive patterns, that's when you really see the uh, change happen with those guys. But definitely i really like to instill that mentality of just kind of saving the bullets for the game and just picking up what they need to pick up in the gym.
1: Carmen, when you guys are working with, uh, especially with younger athletes or athletes that are in sort of that like transitional development phase where you're like, okay, you're in high school, maybe it, maybe it's high school, maybe it's college, and I'd like to hear you just kind of like talk through the difference maybe between that all the way up to like a fully grown adult athlete. Um, how much do you balance just learning that cognitive skill versus just helping them to get strong? Because one thing I notice is that you know, you're working with a high school athlete, like some of these kids don't have the basic kind of like physical literacy to work through like a lot of the things that people see you do on social. So it's always just interesting to hear like the the coach's actual philosophy on that because Instagram always is the like glittery <laughs> watching you do crazy shit. Um, but when you're, you know, when you're working with an athlete sort of at that beginning phase Working through some of those foundational things. um, Where do you start with a a younger athlete?
2: And yeah, it's funny you mention that because we're in that social media era now, where it's like, oh, well, if I set up sixteen hurdles and sixteen ladders and X, Y, and Z, and I do a sprint here and then come back and do it again, that's going to get me faster. When reality, it ain't doing shit for you. It's just you know you're learning a motor pattern, and nothing's really happening out of that without that cognitive pattern. So. You see it a lot. I actually have a uh, 11, 12-year-old kid who's a soccer player now, and I train him virtually. It's pretty interesting to see. So We've just been starting on like linear patterns and then starting to add in some change of direction. You'll see it a lot with younger guys or like real young kids, like 11, 12, 13 years old. They're good going forward and backwards, depending on how um, experienced they are, where they are athletically. But once you start adding in that lateral change of direction, they kind of get lost in space. So they'll pick it up quick, but then when you add in that cognitive pattern, you start calling out left to right. It's just like to see them go haywire a little bit. So it's funny to see that. So just teaching basic, you know, shuffle, crossover step, shuffle to run, crossover to run, and then stacking those patterns to make it a little bit more efficient. That's kind of where I start with some of my younger guys. So we'll call it just building that foundation from a change of direction, lateral movement standpoint, and then will build into a little bit more complex, linear, a little bit more complex, lateral, and just actually getting them to kind of feel the ground underneath them, push the ground away, feel like the faster or higher they move their arms and their legs that something's happening as opposed to like feeling the ground underneath them and actually driving the ground away from them which each and every, with uh, each and every step. And then it's the same thing when we go up into like high school. You start to see the athlete develops a little bit more now we can progress that movement a little bit. And then once it goes into college, you do the same thing. You progress the movements a little bit more. And then they think you need to start adding in some cool stuff here and there. When in reality, basic strength and conditioning never fails, man. <laughs> Did you guys get on? Yeah, that? it, is, it in?
1: is interesting to like have those kids work through that, especially now. Because we just, I don't know. I felt like even growing up, we did a little bit of movement prep and but it was always game-based agility, which was nice, but there was no, hey, let's stop and then really work through those motor patterns like over and over and over. It was always just so task oriented, like get to this cone, get back, not how do you get here, how do you get back? It was always, all right, let's do the conditioning work where you're going mile to mile. Um, or long run test or beep test, but not how to actually like do that very well. And I think it's just so interesting watching adults move now. I mean, Brett and I teach in many different types of environments, sports performance, all the way to just your basic hit um, (laughs) environment. And it is extremely telling who has developed those patterns and who hasn't. Because as soon as you turn somebody sideways, they just, it's like, tapping your head and rubbing your belly it's just not happening yeah it's the the same way like
2: it's the same way when you see people like walk i'll have clients or athletes just do a walking pattern like to see their gait and when they turn them into like a skipping pattern they're just doing same arm same leg and you're like that can't feel right to you but to them it feels perfectly normal to me and (laughs) to you guys it's just like what is going on right now like how can you not feel that
1: (laughs) yeah yeah It does, though. It takes, like, I, um, you know, the more Brett and I were focused on running last year, the more we started doing running related drills. And I grew up playing soccer, so I've been, you know, done every agility drill under the sun. But the working through that patterning as part of warm up and as part of developing those motor pattern skills before you actually go and, like, do the work, as you were suggesting, it's a little bit different than the strength and conditioning component, which is actually getting you. Uh, faster and stronger. The, the, uh, the patterning though, it's so hard in today's day and age to get a like general population client to want to pay attention to that. So when you have someone come in that doesn't have a um, sports focus, that's not asking you to train them to play a sport, but is more general population, I want to be in shape. How do you balance with them that strength and conditioning component versus the motor patterns? Like, obviously you're not probably not doing a ton of like crossover to like cable resisted no. <laughs> you know, with your, with, um, you know, Susie Q or Bob running mm-hmm. off the street, but how do you work through some of those motor patterns that you want to see? Maybe specifically we could just start with gait. Cause I think that that's really important. People just walk however they want to walk and don't really pay too much attention to it, even though. It's extremely important and I always find it interesting how different coaches get their clients to be patient to learn those types of things. So how do you go about walking somebody that's kind of more of a general population client that just kind of wants to be in shape to be patient about learning some of those motor patterns?
2: Um, lucky for me, I'm a I'm a Mike Boyle guy. So I had the chance to like work with those guys back in when they were doing their um little facilities out in Philly. So they would bring their people down from Boston and they actually have their little outlets of MBSC thrive when they were setting them up in Philly. So I actually spent like two and a half years in that, um, I guess you would call it, you know, I guess programming and whatnot. But so they do a great job of it and basically relating everything to everyday movement So, you know, still seeing where our mobility lies, our flexibility is, you know, shoulder mobility, hip mobility, stuff of that nature. And because the majority of my injuries actually stemmed from my ankles and feet, I always have my clients or athletes take their shoes off and go kind of barefoot or socks on. And then I kind of look and see how they stand if they're leaning to one side of the body as opposed to the other, Um, just watching their walking patterns where their hips, one hip sitting up higher than the other hip. And, you know, just. Basically, I think the, um, the Woodway treadmills are probably some of your best patterns. So you can kind of see them looking straight on, and that'll kind of give you a, a true read on whether, how someone really walks and runs at the same time, because you have to see it from a, a linear pattern, and you can kind of gauge where they're at, where they strike the ground, and things of that nature. So getting them on that treadmill, they're going to be a little uncomfortable if they've never been on it before, but it definitely opens up. A lot to them and to the actual trainer too, but still doing the general FMS and kind of relating their programming to everyday life movements that are still added, you know, your get ups, your deadlifts, your carries, things of that nature. And it, it's important for them to buy, actually buy in because, again, just like an athlete, people want to go 100 miles an hour too. They see the stuff people put out on Instagram, they see the uh, workout videos that are getting a rebirth now because of the quarantine on TV, the ads and whatnot, and they think, oh, I have to go X, Y, and Z and do all this fancy shit. And in reality, it's just keep it simple and you'll get the results. But actually getting a client to buy in, man, that's so important. You know, actually getting them to show up and buying into what you're saying and buying into your mentality, that plays such a huge part. Can't tell you how many times when I was first starting, I was just like, man, why don't these people just like listen to what I have to say? Like I'm trying to help them and then actually trying to turn them over into reoccurring clients it was definitely a struggle when i first started but it's definitely progressed a lot
0: when you go through uh, a program and i'm gonna just go into my story because i want to dunk um <laughs> we were talking about that before the episode uh so i would just love to hear and so i'm i work with a couple different coaches on this specific thing Um, And I'm always I always want to learn from people, especially in the coaching realm that have a little bit more expertise in a specific area than I would. Um, If I was taking on a marathon client, I would just know like very easily how I would progress them. And of course, you work through different things. But say you're going to take somebody that's like me, who's decent athlete, uh, definitely you know understands movement and all of that. How would you progress me? through a goal of dunking and if you want to just simply talk about the different phases or dial into specifics i would just love to hear your take on essentially like taking somebody and getting them towards a, a goal that is definitely something that's not like an overnight um, and how would you face something like that out i always love to hear how people you know talk about phasing programming and different weeks of training and deload and all those type of things. So you can, you can geek out on this one. <laughs> so I would definitely,
2: you know, it depends. So if we're saying you're starting at the most regressed level, you know, making sure you're comfortable, you know, just doing bilateral exercises, your basic strength exercises off of that. And I think it's so important for people to understand that if your legs are actually strong from exercises like deadlifting or squatting, then chances are you're going to be able to to be a lot more explosive off the ground it's like i get asked all the time how can i do a higher split jump or how can i jump off one leg higher i'm like well in order for us to do that we have to master the foundation of actually doing some bilateral training in order to do single leg training don't get me wrong i'm the king i feel like i am the king of doing single leg single arm training because i love doing it i just feel like that's what we ultimately are going to progress into regardless but at the same time you know working basic depth drops or depth drop drops, depth jumps, um, deadlifts, squats, mixing them into contrast. So that plays a huge part with a lot of my training as well. I'm a contrast nut. I love taking, you know, a regular complex movement or compound movement and then transitioning it right into, you know, a broad jump or a heavy or a high uh, box jump, things of that nature. So that's kind of where I start out. That's probably what I would have you doing just, you know, basic strength, foundation work and then building it up into contrast training, single leg training, things of that nature. Good, because that's what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you're doing. I'm like, yeah, man. We just got to get you, we gotta get you more on the uh, I think what really help you is if you start doing some midfoot exercises. So, you know, just if you had like a little bit of an elevated surface. So kind of like those jump soles, but you know, you take a 25 pound plate or a little bit of a like a book or something. Just put your midfoot on there. Start doing your reverse lunges or even you know your deadlifts off of those just to see how it feels. It's going to get you a little bit more calf engagement. It's going to make give you a little bit more ankle stiffness and that ankle complex. That's going to help a lot too. So I highly recommend totally, yeah. starting I, to yeah, do that. <laughs>
0: I'll start mixing that in for sure. When you when you think about your your journey to getting to where you are right now, and uh, I want to kind of walk through the journey from your, from your athletic career, you, you talked about being the, you know, working hard to play in high school and then being the walk on to the team captain. And I, then from having to essentially end um, an athletic career for, and for those that haven't seen Carmen on Instagram yet, just pause the episode and watch like his last five videos and tell me you don't think he's got the athleticism to be, to be playing high level sports you've gone through a lot of these transitions. And I think one of the things that we notice um, and why Jason and I reach out to people like you and, and talk to you and learn from you is that everybody just sees that, right? They see the end product, they see you being able to jump and do cool shit. And people don't understand the journey that it takes to get there. And so I just want to talk through kind of those couple phases, right? Like, high school, I think it's a it's a very formative time in people's lives to being able to say, you know, I didn't even actually get playing in time until I was a senior. And then so by that point, everyone else was already recruited. So I walked on. And then I had the grit to be a to be a captain. And then from there, I had a chance to play pro ball, but that didn't work out. So I had to pivot. A lot of people just kind of fold and they just fall into whatever is given to them next. So how have you been able to to stay on it? And um, like live that truth in all of those different phases of your life
2: man that's a that's a great question too <laughs>
0: um i think
2: it's the upbringing that i was raised on there too like again going back to my dad they didn't have it easy growing up and he kind of instilled that hard work and dedication you know you're, i'm not from a rich city so same things like being from philly you kind of take that philly grit and that philly toughness and transform it and you take it and you become something from that and just knowing that you have to fight your way out of you know not a great situation but it's kind of like from watching the last dance and they were talking about what made michael jordan so great and you know i think horace grant or Scottie pippa or maybe even i think it was rodman said made him so great that he just took everything so personal like the slightest thing he took it like such a like his disrespect to him, like the thing with Tony Kukoc and stuff of that nature. I felt like I was kind of the same way growing up. Like some of my favorite athletes were Kobe, rest in peace, Kevin Garnett, like hard-nosed basketball guys, you know, Terrell Owens, those guys, like everything, chip on your shoulder, you know, it's going to punch you in the face, you're going to feel it type mentality. You know, I was a box, I boxed growing up. So, you know, the Mike Tyson mentality too. So heard it a lot growing up that you were too small, Not athletic enough. I was 130 pounds when I first got to college. So if that uh, (laughs) is any indication of where I'm at and like how much I had to kind of hit the weight room and take that next step, it was a lot. Um, I was told you weren't allowed to play baseball at this level, which is the most ridiculous thing ever, what I'm going to say. If you couldn't bench press, hang clean, back squat, or deadlift a certain amount of weight, that's what our head coach told us so just take that into consideration when you want to play Division one sports dealing with some coaches out there um, which has no being or premise with playing division one sports or any college sports so just having that mentality to just keep pushing through and keeping that little chip on your shoulder regardless and you know I still have it on my shoulder you know people, will say, you know, you don't really know what you're talking about. You're not a good trainer, this, that. And the other thing, you know, you you hold it, you hear it, you just store it away and you use it to just keep processing on to the next goal that you're going to achieve.
1: Carmen, where do you get, uh, where do you look to for inspiration or education? Because, and I, I think it's something you, you just touched on, like people, call you out or you hear this and that. And recently in our industry, there've been a lot of people just going back and forth, throwing way too much shade for certain things. And I always find it funny because people just don't have the context of your clients. They don't have the context of your life. They don't have the context of what you're trying to achieve with your business or with this and that. It's just so personalized. And, you know, that's the the good part and the bad part of social media. When you are trying to shut off that noise and get better, who are some of the people that you look to for inspiration or where do you get a lot of your education from? Um, and maybe just explain kind of like why you respect those people or resources.
2: Um, you know, I'll start with some of the people that are closest to me. So my girlfriend, Ray, she's awesome. She's always pushing and helping me a lot, a lot with, you know, whether it's mentally or um just work related stuff for the most part she's great so and then um you guys had megan young on your uh, podcast she's awesome so she's uh i've gotten a chance to work with her a lot over the last couple months and just develop a really strong relationship and connection with her so she's probably the number two on that of the people that are closest to me and then um when we go to like a bigger side of it um you know guys like lee taft and um he's probably one of my favorite people to If you've had a chance to see any of his stuff. So him. And then again, the Boyle guys, those guys, their education, they're like top notch. So like I said, I got a chance to work with them. So a lot of their educational side of things have been really beneficial for me because they keep progressing. Chances are they might not like everything that we put out there, but at the end of the day, they, uh, they do a really good job with, uh, the programs they put out there. And then another guy like Lauren Landau, who's a speed and agility guy. I think he's the Denver Broncos head strength and conditioning coach now. He's another guy I look to that just does an amazing job with his athletes in Colorado. So that's pretty much where I'm at. And then you said, um when you're talking about a lot of people button heads on the internet now, I think it's, you know, I know there's a lot of people that don't agree with a lot of stuff that people put out there, but there's a way to go about talking about, About that type of stuff. And then there's a way not to, you know, sliding up into someone's comments and leaving negativity on someone's page. I just never understood why people do that. Like, if you don't agree with someone's exercise, don't put them on blast in front of everyone. You know, send them a message if you want to talk to them and ask them nicely what they were thinking about this exercise or this, that, and the other. Don't be that guy or girl posting comments on people's page. We're all going through enough right now.
1: I just don't get it. I don't understand the the need to just be a bully about it. I just, I just, I don't understand. Um, yeah, it's, yeah a you, lot, it's a lot,
2: man. It's a lot. I could show you some DMS that I've gotten and you know, you just be like, what, why?
1: <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. You took time out of your day. You know, you, I, That will always get me. Um, but on the positive side, you highlighted several very wonderful people. Um, Ray has been a wonderful friend of ours for a few years now. And um, Maddie and I have gotten pretty close over the last um, couple months. She is just an unbelievable human being. We Mm -hmm. went into, we were there, first met her when she was doing an assessment on a force plate for the Nike team that came into the gym. And then Brett and I kind of started chatting with her a little bit more, had her on the podcast. She came over and did like a little assessment for us. She's been helping me with some stuff. She was help with our virtual retreat and is just has one of the coolest stories and is also an absolute wealth <laughs> of knowledge and in some of the most random patterns that you wouldn't think to connect. And I think that's something and kind of what I wanted to give you kudos for too, um, that's something that Brett and I have always tried to do is take just take a very non-dogmatic approach to the way that we um, treat a client in terms of their health and find like very foundational topics. and once you master the foundations, just find ways to innovate on them and bring so much strategy and education in from seemingly non-related things. And I think it's just really cool watching you innovate, um, and put out so much great content that clearly has roots in things that are really important. You just find super innovative ways to do it. Um, I'm actually going through Lee Taft's speed and agility cert right now. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. He's just like, he, he has a very matter of fact way of explaining these things, which like You, if you've gone through that type of training before, you know, it's just so nice to hear somebody spit it back to you in such easy, plain language.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He makes it like dummy proof. It's the easiest way to understand everything. And if you can't understand it, then you you probably shouldn't be learning it, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) But for the most, yeah, he's great with explaining stuff and like just piggybacking off of what you're saying, like innovating some of the stuff with um, and getting a chance to work with Meg you know we'll see an athlete and we'll have a little side conversation and you know not every athlete is the same not every athlete is going to receive information the same way as the the next one does and just having her lay something out and then i would come in and lay something out my way it was an awesome experience to you know get a chance to work side by side with her on that you know like we would kind of just pick something out, and then say, "No, this doesn't work here. Let's tweak this, tweak that, and then wait. There it is. Let's go th- from there." So, just our both of our um, styles getting a chance to gel together was really cool.
0: For um, for continuing to grow, I think that's one of the things that Jason and I am all, are always looking for is is continued growth and education, and so. One of the ways that that I've uh learned about your philosophy and stuff was took your and uh Dave and Meg's workshop um midway through midway through last year and it was uh it was so cool to see you coach and work and uh put me on blast for some of my running mechanics, <laughs> which was awesome. And uh yeah, I it, uh you had
1: the worst running stride of all time.
0: <laughs> and uh so I think I think it's it's always awesome to to be a part of that growth and to be a part of the learning. Um, when you think about your development going forward, um, as a trainer, as a coach, what are some of the areas in which you're looking to work on to grow? Um, whether that is a certification or whether that's growing in other aspects. I mean, that can be, how do I want to optimize my online training program so that I can get more clients in there or, um, how, how do I need to work on selling my online program? Because I get a bunch of people that ask and I, you know, I'm not the best at selling or from an education perspective on the actual training side, where do you see yourself growing, um, in the next couple of years? Um, so first, you know, you'd have to think, I thought I would be able to like travel around
2: and meet some really awesome trainers this year and get a chance to work side by side with them. Just maybe over a weekend or so. So I was, we were kind of mapping out some places to go. And, you know, because I always say you can get all the certifications in the world, but if you're not surrounding yourself with people that know a little bit more than you and you can learn from, them, then you're kind of doing yourself a disservice in our industry. And if you're not taking advantage of the opportunities that are given to you in this opportunity-based business, then again, you're doing yourself a disservice. So for me, once we are able to actually get back to traveling a little bit would be to kind of resume where I was probably going to go and meet some of these trainers and kind of take it from there. But, you know, just trying to set up my own online thing, like you said, I don't want to train online. I'm not super comfortable. I want the athlete to be in front of me. I want to be able to see like their every movement and just like piggybacking off of you being at our seminar, you had like a close up view of seeing how detailed I get into like mechanically with my athletes and, you know, just trying to remember you, you have a really hard time just activating your glutes and your hamstrings when you're running. You know, it's kind of like, not to be me, but it's like a little bit of a duck run where it's just butt back and chest is forward. That's why I wrapped that band around your waist and had you uh, march as much as possible. We kind of fixed it within like maybe a five to 10 minute window there, but you know, getting involved more online is something I would like to do. More, but if it's possible to try and maybe set up an online speed course or things of that nature, it's kind of just things I've been toying around with, and hopefully, I'm able to do that within the next couple of weeks, depending on whether or not you know, this, you know, if the quarantine gets lifted or the lockdown gets lifted. So it all depends on what's actually going to happen with the world right now. I guess it's a weird time we're living in.
0: It's totally weird. What are some of your current training goals and how are you accommodating your training for the current conditions? Um, so I'm lucky enough.
2: I've actually took some weights and kettlebells and barbells out of the space. So, um, I'm somewhat okay here. I'm trying to put on good weight. So I'm trying to, I'm not the heaviest and thickest. Although if I talk to you, I'm going to tell you I'm probably a thick and muscular guy. So but well, that's just my personality coming out and just being a jackass in terms of my own ego and whatnot. But I'm <laughs> um, just trying to put more weight on in a good manner. So I was at 158 before the quarantine. We're sitting right around 164 right now. So I'm feeling good. Actually putting a little bit more weight on. The heaviest i ever been was 175 in college and I felt absolutely terrible. There's was a lot of takeout and you know bad lifting habits and a lot of alcohol intake in college but you know i think we're doing better now i'm liking the way i'm feeling so hopefully i can keep it going maybe just be over hover over that 165 i don't want to be much heavier than that though
1: you need a couple more bud lights and bicep curls would be 165 <laughs> in no time
2: <laughs> it's crazy to think like oh 165 it's hard man i still burn calories like a 13 year old
1: yeah Fortunately, fortunately, and somewhat unfortunately, we're both in the same boat. (laughs) A lot easier for me to shed weight than it is to put it on. That is for sure. Um, When you think about um, building something, or you know, or growing into the future, what Brett said, you know, as you want to go and learn from these coaches, like, what is your dream job? Like, what is your dream position to hold? Or who do you want to work with or who do you want to influence? Like where is where is that spot where you feel like, all right, I'm just like fully in my own. This is my space. This is who I want to be coaching. What does that look like?
2: Man, I have – so I'm a – like I said, I'm a proud guy from Philly, but I am a San Francisco 49ers diehard just growing up being a Joe Montana and Jerry Rice complete stan. So I've been a Niners fan. My whole life, so I think it would be the coolest thing ever if I could somehow get involved in that organization. Be in San Francisco—that would be. I think that's my uh, ultimate dream job, right there.
1: <laughs> nice. I think. Uh, have you ever met Brian Buck?
2: Um, I've heard his name. Yes.
1: Okay, we got to get you. Uh, we got to get you introduced to Brian. Brian works at um, Sparta. He's also a master trainer, but he works at Sparta who does other like force plate, um, and, uh, and data testing for athletes. And they've got a sweet, um, big spot in, um, Palo Alto. I think, um, they actually moved up to Portland, I think, but Brian, uh, has like a lot of longstanding stuff in San Francisco and actually puts out a ton of information. And Brian's been like a big confidant for me for some, uh, some strength information. So I would, um, I would, we'll make an intro for you, but I would, I would look that way too. They're doing some cool stuff out
0: West.
2: That would be awesome. You know, and that side of like athletic development, you know, the sports science side of things, just develop your kind of own like way about going about those kind of things and just using some of the innovation that I've been able to go through on my own, go that way. That'd be awesome. Brian was a, uh, he's a baseball guy too, right? He is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense now. Guys, we get along. Yeah, that'd great. be great.
0: <laughs> so we love asking everybody on the show. Our our motto is having the best day ever, and I think this is a unique time for that. Um, and I think that a lot comes from the mindset, and a lot comes from things you've gone through in the past, where you at, where you're at now, and where you want to be. And uh, so we always love to ask everybody on the show if you could wake up tomorrow, and in this in this day and age everything is back to whatever we used to think was normal. You can travel, you can do anything, or you don't have to. What does Carmen's best day ever look like?
2: I'm a simple guy right now, man. It would be a mix of you know being on a beach somewhere with all my best friends, my loved ones, my girlfriend, and just hanging out by the ocean, watching that sun come down, drinking some beers, and just enjoying life right now, man with all the people that you love the most.
0: For sure. I think that it speaks, speaks a lot to, to think about who you'd be with, um, where you'd be. And those are two really good things. <laughs> being with the people you love being on a beach. Those are some of the, some of the best, best possible places and, and things to be doing. And I think right now a lot of people are just wishing they could be back with, with those people that, that they're not seeing right now. And so I think that that's, you know, super meaningful for those uh listening to the show if you could end off with any piece of advice whether it's training or mindset or growth or how to run faster whatever it would be um what would be something that you'd want to leave leave our audience with
2: um you know again i'm you know when it comes to motivation you know, type stuff you know i just don't let people tell you you can't do something stick your nose into it 110 percent and just kick ass each and every day uh don't take especially now don't take the days for granted the corny lines make the days count now more than ever because once we bounce back from this we're going to hit the ground running 100 miles an hour so be prepared take the time as a gift not a curse and just be ready to go once we get the doors back open you know
0: 100 percent. it's about staying on it, getting after it. And I mean, think like you just said, just like treating every single day as an opportunity. I think there's so much value in that. Um, where can people find out about you? Um, where can people work out with you, whether it's virtually now or in person once that opens up, um, let's hear about, uh, where people can, can see you. So we'll
2: stick with right now. You guys can go to the Instagram handle. It is, Nooch underscore 13 so that is n double underscore 13 that's my old childhood nickname i just don't feel like changing it ever because that's who i am and that's who i probably always will be so i'm not going to change my instagram handle for those guys that want me to <laughs> um i get it all the time to change it to make it more fitnessy but that's who i am man gotta gotta stick with what brought you to the dance you know and then um you guys, they got the link in my bio there. So there's a trainerize link. So I have everything set up on trainerize, my plyo in-home performance, my customized training. And then if you guys want to do any type of virtual one-on-one FaceTime type training with me, I am more than available to work something out that way with you guys as well.
0: Amazing. Well, thanks so much, Carmen. We appreciate your time uh, talking about your journey, talking about continuing to educate, learn. I think those are all just such good qualities to have, whether you're a trainer or a coach or honestly, just anybody. And uh, I think uh, a lot of people will be will be looking forward to to looking at what you're putting out and continuing to work because if you guys haven't checked out Carmen's page yet, he's he's a master of a lot of different things. But I think one of the main things that you could focus on is that the basics and just building up that foundation is is what leads to being able to to move and to do really cool stuff. And that's that's what he's all about. So thanks so much for for spending some time with us today. We wish we could have done it in person and maybe we'll have to do round two back in the office so we can hang out a little bit and work out.
2: Yeah, man, that'd be awesome. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, yeah, as soon as this is all over, I would love to hang out with you guys. That'd be great.
1: <laughs> Get in for there, sure. jump around, sprint around. I'm in it. Let's do it. Thanks so much Come team. Down.
0: have the best day ever.